judges, uh, you judge on the, both the performance and the poem, right? It's, and it's a gestalt. I just love the word gestalt. And what's the uh, column? What was the other word I was going to use? Louche. I have to fit the word louche into, into the conversation at some point. Okay, so all the way, all the way from Winnipeg, but by Ottawa, we have a, a calibr- I love a calibrating poet. That's a great phrase. Please welcome Kevin Matthews. I wish I didn't feel compelled to speak about hate and starvation. Generally, I think hostility, anxiety, and tension are only really fueled by the mention. But folks, we have witnessed the 21st century's first great invention. It is a hate sandwich. It's a hater. Beyond any doubt, it's got lots of beef, two plump patties to bear it out, lay it up with two old-fashioned slices of processed American sleaze, and the bars to which stars are arranged like a cage of fat, and on top of all that, they have eschewed even the wilty lame lettuce and tomato slices you find on the non-homicidal burgers, and the multinational that unleashed this creation dubbed it Baconator. And it hates me. It hates me. As a vegetarian, as a humanist, as a health-conscious anti-consumerist, it hates me. While the best estimates say that 850 million people are starving today, and at the very same time, according to Cattle Today magazine, over 1.53 billion cattle worldwide are eating just fine. And the copious corn and other grains we grow to feed them take up land and energy and other resources. The global agriculture system is a perverted portrait of our priorities. Would we really rather have juicy beef for the rich than feed everybody? So who was the UN Food Agency playing to a couple of weeks ago when they announced that we must increase food production 50% worldwide in order to allow prices to come down? I guess that hits the spot if you're an industry that doesn't want to be regulated or mandated to provide affordable, nutritious food for them and me and you, which, by the way, is exactly what all the farmers and ranchers I know actually want to do. But Wendy's thinks you're an idiot. Wendy's thinks you will eat that shit and that you will pay them for insulting you that that's how much you crave it. You'll forgive me a digression. Let's take the panda. A fellow mammal with the teeth and digestive tract of a carnivore, of a predator, but it does not hunt. It has stopped doing what that biology is ostensibly made for. And this may be because its traditional prey is extinct today. Imagine that. Can you outlive your food source? Could you adjust so radically to such a tragedy? Well, actually, we're probably going to find out. And let's face it, the panda's not going to make it in the long run. They're in a pretty difficult position, but they get up every morning and eat bamboo in every waking minute because that's life. That's all there is to be done. And loving food in all of its diversity, I hope we're never in that position. But if we are, may we survive it. And for reasons we don't really understand, the panda has adopted a basically vegetarian diet. So I think we, at least, could try it. 
But Wendy's apparently would disagree, so they sick the Baconator on me. It drives a Hummer whose grill is a ghastly grin, and it stalks me and haunts me and wants me to give in to spite and take a hateful bite. But no, I do not accept your negativity, Wendy's, nor your fake little red-headed pigtail girl. Your industry is in its death throes, and you've made it clear you will not help us to feed the world. You neither tempt me nor disgust me, Wendy's. You are simply of no use, and you can go baconate yourself until your anus is raw from all that greasy abuse. I wish abundant nutrition and all other blessings on those currently starving. And when we stop gleefully wasting what could be feeding them, maybe then we'll get back to the true loving business of farming. I'm glad I had chard for dinner today. <laughs> I had red chard. <laughs> red chard. I love when people laugh and I don't even say anything funny. First poet. Okay, ready? Because we're going to have some light entertainment coming up because we have Andrea von Vickert. presented me with a bottle of gin. My God, man, what is this? You're giving me fucking panty remover? Little did I know he was anticipating my soon-to-be-broken heart. She's gonna need this, he thought. It would be better this way. She was gonna need to get blotto when he hurt her the way he was going to, the way he had to. I suspected it that night playing Texas Holdover, especially when I beat him in the last hand. Pair of sevens crushed his fours, added to my elation of having drawn a royal Lush, the first of my lifetime, three hands, previous spades. I took everything. After that, he was different. The reserve was there. I just hoped he noticed how nice my ass was and didn't pick up on the increasing desperation of my wardrobe. You know the saying, lucky at cards, unlucky at etc., etc. My vagina has selective hearing. When he told me the week before, after holding my hand in the restaurant and allowing my intended seduction to get as far as kissing, groping, fully clothed on my couch, when he told me he was involved in a, quote, on-again, off-again relationship, while my ears may have heard the words on again, and my brain may have registered them, my vag fixated on the preposition off. Off again. Getting off. Great, it thought. We're finally getting fucked. I love you. I love you. Words easily misinterpreted from the mouth of an old friend, ex-lover you happen to be in lust with. When I laid eyes on him for the first time in years, those many weeks ago, I was dazzled by my own reflected radiance in his face. After introductions, the team, the perfunctory, this is so-and-so, and this is why they're getting paid on this project, we sought each other out, ignoring the moment, the work at hand, the sole purpose of his being here. The one last desperate ploy after I'd won all his money, can I stay with you tonight? Failing to strike the appropriate casual coquettishness my poker face eroded, I reveal my hand, but the game is done. It's a little late. I'll call you tomorrow. A quick embrace, and both of us turn and flee. Me, horrified by my lack of coolness. Him, uncomfortable with the stakes of my final bet. Off to a quick wank before sleep in his hotel room. Now, I sit waiting for a phone call until it was too late, and I realize that yet again he has snuck away to the airport without saying, 
saying goodbye, history repeating and repeating itself. I get drunk as I reflect on my lame-ass final attempt to get in his pants and the awkward rebuff, how totally demoralizing and embarrassing poor kid, he thinks, as the airplane taxis down the tarmac. He shouldn't have let things get as far as they did, but she's always been strangely compelling. He congratulated himself, this trip finally having learned to keep his dick in his pants, and reminded himself to buy flowers on the way home from the airport. Andrea Fon, 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 etc. Alita Tarn. Oh, there we go. Okay, so it just has to be under three minutes. It can just be one poem. Yes? No? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Prelogue to the poem. Because of you, my words are stone, and all my veins run thick as blown. Because of you, my words are stone, and all my veins rush thick as bone. I wander lifeless, bruised, condoned, disfigured, dazed, and toxic prone. To fuel my search to find what's stolen, I feed off flesh so sweetly swollen. Be you he that slit my skin so I would bleed and cloud your gin, and dye your drink so crimson red, like that which soaked your sweat-stained bed? You'd test the trough that was my vein, and when I'd screamed aloud in pain, you'd strike my jaw so I was silent, insulted that I called you violent. After all, you found me bleeding, bent and broke, and desperate feeding. You nourished me into a flower from such a tiny little seedling. Ye be he that forced a knife, so I would be your humble wife and woman for your nighttime testing, forced down my throat God's given blessing. You held my hair to lock my jaw, massaged my skin till I was raw, and cursed me when I begged to breathe. A woman's job is to receive. P.C. Miller. George Carlin back in 1971. Yes, I know that dates me, but nobody else will. Um, I, no, George Carlin was an extremely funny and important man. Just thought I'd pop that on there. Right, now if I can get you to all close your eyes, because that, that's really not a prop. Just close your eyes. Popped open my uh, book of Tennyson's diaries and uh, Inspired this, I just wrote this about 15 minutes ago. This is called High School. I have no way to know how much this will cost. I am lost. And still spend the morning, mourning as though wounded, trapped in a bog. Determining what fog to fight. I found an essence of these elements so elegantly buried, so hard to find in the epilogue. On this elongated soliloquy, so disengaged, so buried, yet here it still remains. And then the synopsis retained. In a Baroque so unique, sustained, yet still disturbingly carried by belief that in lust 
For bread and circuses we dance still to both hands, seize whatever is deserved to them. Then quietly we dance again, arm in arm we leave. Marjolaine Hebert. When I die, and if there's a heaven, and if she invites me in, will I be able to smell and taste, to hear? <laughs> Will I be able to smell and taste, to see and hear and feel? For there are memories I need saved for after and forever. Like the smell of the sun after the rain, and Aretha Franklin singing Natural Woman, and the smell... And the taste of your lips between sips of that ginger tea you like so much. And the look in your eyes when I know that you love me most completely. shuffle when we're funking out to those sweet soul beats as we pave our way one room at a time over every squeaky inch of this old hardwood floor flooded by the rhythm which has taken over our bodies immersed in a heartbeat of perpetual joy No, I can do with Tom Lee Jones. He's got an Oscar. <laughs> Who's next? Who's next? It's Skip Stone. Oh, Where? <laughs> I'm a brown guy, and I come up, and you got see, so you say, "Oh shit!" No, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. Oh, is it? Fuck. You know, I still think of you like every 15 minutes. No, oh, well, it's more like every 15 seconds because you always keep me guessing. And now all of my intentions are all about protecting the object of my affection that holds all of my attention right in the palm of her hands. And with a closed grip, with a closed fist, you grip on my attention span. And man, did I mention your beauty is like a mountain? That means that there's no ignoring you. Well, actually, it means that I'm soaring when I'm exploring you. Not to conquer or get over you. Jesus Christ, I hope all this silly rhyming isn't boring you. You see, I'm like Chad Hugo, boss, because you bring out the nerd in me, and your glances dot the eyes of every loving word in me. And the blueprint in my life is titled Her 
and me. You see how she's first, then me? <laughs> and some people say, are you cool with that? As a matter of fact, it fits me perfectly. Now, I know with other guys that you've been hurt before, so I try my best so you don't have to hurt no more. And when I mess up, I always feel the worst, and that's more reason to grind because your company is worth working for. But not like a labor of love because this ain't really work for me. But if I can't make you smile, that's what really hurts to me. And I worship you because your arms are like a church to me. All right? You put a burn in me to the third degree. And if it's just her and me, well, then there's nowhere else on earth that I would rather be. Every word of love from you is like the first to me. And I play it over and over like a burn CD. I want you earnestly. And I'll make any 15 seconds stretch to an eternity. So I'm saying, long live my queen. The ruler of my imagination, like every 15. Speechless. Skip Stone. Paul Friesen. poetry it's it's been great but it's still uh my colon is still tied up in a bit of a love knot with a little game i call uh, uh one degree of kevin baconator baconator but on with the show trying something new because my passages are kind of infected with something slimy. I'm trying to channel the Far East because of this guy I keep seeing at work who, when he's not tutoring Asian students in the English language, he takes Hapkido from some master. And this guy keeps giving me Eastern tricks to improve my utilization of oxygen and my flow of energy. And so it must be his influence that has led me to this rhetorical satori. All my words are shit. Leading me steamingly into facetious footpaths cobbled with pucks of dung, which I pick through to use as rubrics to build a ziggurat, a figurative tower to babble in, do some dung-beetled brow-beating in, whence to gaze from with an imperious shit-eating grin, to prophesy with the coprophagi, a high priest of my own caprice stagings, excreting scatterbrained scatologies posited fecumenically by manic, moronic manurons networking at the breakneck peristaltic speed of indigestion. From high aloft, my fecal position, my fertile excrescence.
Paul, Swiss chard. Try some Swiss chard. The universe is as it should be. Okay. Next up. Next up. <laughs> Taipu. From the love for my daughter. Uh, the appreciation for what fatherhood is. And respect for the power of the family. La familia. This here is for powerful families. La familia. And this is also to share power with families. La. I work that job, lift that low, run that line. I have to clock that loop because the shine that's mine. Ain't nothing going to hold her back. While I work it out, getting my stack rack, because it's a fact. When you slow the flow of what a child needs, that child's going to get the same taste for succeed. I lose my focus, my child going to lose it too. So refuse them jokers. Now's the time to come through. This here is for the father them bothering to be involved with a squatter rent. La? That's right, baby. Ain't no blocker going to stop, pa. <laughs> Ain't no disguising the size on things to his child's eyes. Get them out in the sun, let them feel the wind. Knowing how it begun might help them figure how to begin. All of my acts and all of my words, even in their subtleties, resonate in reverb. I got love for my little one, love for her wandering, inspired by her wondering and fire for the wantona. A no limit and no boundary, spirit reflecting mental and morality. See, she showed me, she teach me, she knows how to reach me. So I'm going to be more freaky with the working it out and working it in. She knows how to reach me, so I know how to be me. With the letting it out and the letting them in. Yeah, I've been hungry and yeah, I've been broke. I've been angry and I done been choked. But she brought me healthy and she done brought me hope. Y'all know I'm ready because Niyah's been invoked. So this here is for the father them. The God of them is involved in a squatter in. La? Yes, baby. <laughs> ain't no blocker going to stop Pa because ain't no disguise in his size when seen through his child's eyes. I got love for my little one, love for her wandering, inspired by her wondering, and fire for the wanton of. A no limit and no boundary, spirit reflecting mental and morality. When you slow the flow of what a child needs, that child's going to get the same taste for succeed. I lose my focus, my child going to lose it too. Refusing jokers, now's the time to come through. Get them out in the sun, let them feel the wind. Knowing how it begun might help them figure how to begin. So I work that job, lift that load, run that line. I clock that loop because the shine that's mine, she gonna be developed and enveloped in divine. She gonna be developed in the shine of La Thanks for getting down. <laughs> we having a good time tonight? That sounds so tentative. We're having a good time tonight, aren't we? Beautiful. Leif Norman. Leif! Bang, it's poetry. Bang, it's poetry. It's poetry. Bang, it's poetry. I want to change the world with syllables, with the air coming out of my lungs, with the consonants of my teeth and gums, and sign language of my fingers and thumbs. The world is having troubles lately. The winds blow cold. Children get old, and the squirrels in my neighborhood are getting very bold. One of those little bastards stole my bike. 
Yes, my poetry friends, the world is in need of a change. Adverbs are left starving and underemployed in the streets. Infinitives are split mercilessly without regard for the principles of feng shui. And the once mighty cod pieces of old English have been torn cruelly away, leaving our participles dangling and vulnerable in the early morning breezes. But poetry, poetry can save us. Poetry can save your soul. When you find yourself in times of trouble, what do you do? Praise Jesus. No, 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 forget Jesus. Call on a poet. Find a poet. (laughs) Poetry saves. Is the sky getting monotonous by being blue all the time? Find a poet. They can make it any goddamn color you want. They can take time and slow it down, and so you can stay in that backseat of post-coital backseat of the Volkswagen summertime loving, you know, that time. Or if you're single, I'm sure your local poet has got a lot of great poems about whacking off in the shower, too. Oh, yes, poetry is magical. Is the speed of gravity getting you down? Is 9.8 meters per second squared simply not fitting with your outfit today? Bang! It's poetry. (laughs) Do you want kittens to remain kitten-like for 20 years and for for their fur to change into colorful paisley and polka dot patterns by turning a small dial on their furry tummies? Bang! It's poetry! Yes, poetry can do it all! Screw you, Isaac Newton! You never realized the power of poetry. And look at the world now. It's a fucking mess. There's no unicorns left. Architecture is getting uglier and uglier. Lakes and rivers are no longer filled with honey and wine. Vocabularies are shrinking. Yes, my poetry friends, we must spread our ink all over the world all over each other, ripping the heads off our pens with our teeth and making love to poems on beds of paper and gesturing to the leaders of the world to come join us. Yes, yes, it's fun being a writer. (laughs) It is us, the true believers, the chosen ones, we have to show the way to the rest of the poor lost souls. We have the power to turn winter into summer and to blast mosquitoes out of the air. Pew! We have the power to turn condoms into bubblegum and radio waves into rainbows. Even though we are few in number, we are strong, my friends. We can make this world a better place for everyone. Bang! It's poetry. Tristan N.G., Hello, hello. I've got three poems, so maybe I could get some audience response. One, two, or three. One, three, two, 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 three. Two, 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 two. We'll go for two. Alright. I brought a mess of them. Alrighty, so this one's called Akashic Records. If you don't know what it's like, try uh, Google. Google could help you with Akashic Records. Microsoft, maybe, but Google definitely. Okay. Celluloid evaluations of concepts and realities. Next installment of conceptual art. Do you fashion to entertain or to entertain a fashion? Do you theologians doubt reasonably or reasonably doubt? Diachronic deconstructionism, you shouldn't be in. Casadaga, nomadic. 
The gates we once trespassed are now open. The bridges traversed are transatlantic. The NASA probe only belittles Mike TV, and yet we still push forward with facades of premise and doctrine. Manifestos of knowledge, yes, I think I've seen you before. Judges, what do we have for Tristan NG? 7.6, 8 8.4, 9.0, 8.4, 8.0. 24.8 for Tristan NG. Almost at break time, but we still, I think, it's Sophia. Oh, there we go. The tool of your lips. One day I had a chance to hear your voice, and you spoke in such a special way. The quick, kind word you spoke, an almost insignificant one, carries power. Like a strong drum echoes in my mind for many days. It's not only how you said it, but what it says. The swift, light word you spoke, an almost insignificant one, carries energy. Like a gentle chime resonates in my mind for many days. It's not only how you said it, but what it says, it con contains special meaning once placed in my heart and mind. It says, I'm good, special, worthy, even smart and kind. I used words I don't want to say much. They didn't have that special touch. They were cutting like sharp blade. I'm the only one to blame. I did choose them. What a shame. I choose not to use them now. Who can stop me if I choose to use nice words, the same like yours, with that special, touching, calm, with that soft, uplifting, balm. One day, I had a chance to hear your voice, and you spoke in such a special way. Now I know that I can choose to do the same. Bonnie Holmes. Um, 
At the back door, bent over, fumbling to pull up the zipper on the come-fuck-me-boot she wears only to his place. Casualties and insignificant goodbyes fall between them like ten inches of snow, laying thick a silence that would have bound them in quiet. Looking at him was like looking into the face of someone whose house has just burnt down. You can tell they can still see the place and space where the living room window would have hung, or where their fists might have wrapped around the front door handle to pull it close before being able to unlock it. That the body can still sense the movements it would have to make to move the contours of a space that everyone only sees as empty now gone, and that no one else was quite as attached to in the first place. But when reality fails fantasy a handful of times, we deconstruct castles to planks that turn the soft earth hard beneath our feet. Desperate to offer some kind of brand new goodbye, she hears herself launch into this theory she's heard about ancient times when people used to roam the earth together in tribes before eventually dispersing as the corners of our world unfolded and became vast. So now, when you meet a descendant of this original bloodline, there's a sense of familiarity about the person, a sense of coming home, and maybe that would explain why in this lifetime they keep coming back to each other when the writing on the walls is always so easy to read. Maybe we buried bones together, she says, or ran from forest fires, or charted the migratory patterns of bison on the inside of cave walls. He listens, thrusts his fists into his pockets, pulls out their inside shrugs to say, I got nothing. While imagining the way he'd sip the rain that would collect and slide off her spine if only it would fall, and she thinks of how quiet life can become, and how quickly we can learn to live without the noise while spending our time getting better at things we didn't actually want to be good at in the first place. Never able to look at each other for too long, he moves behind her, and like ash settling from smoke and a breath, they're laying back down, and she starts rubbing sleep into his skin with her fingertips, little circles over his thighs while his own hands clasped at her breast surf the silky softness they find there. As each breath drew deeper, each circle grew lighter like a cord fading in time at one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. He plants mountains with his lips at each of her shoulder blades and lets his forehead come to rest in the valley between them just long enough to carry each sigh he lets go. She wraps her hand behind her and up through his hair and at the same instance they both squeeze and fall asleep beneath the sound of the crackling flames. And I think I know what this says. It says Crystal Duncan. Right? Aloha. Um, this poem was inspired by the last poetry slam. I wrote it when I got home, so hopefully there's no sleepy eye in it. Packed. A view with an expanse to leave you in a lifeless stance. I believe it was common with your match, profound. A room full worthy for a bone marrow transplant. Vamping with a rhythm of inwit. I could forever sit. I am an onlooker to the outrageous fits in empty pits. I grit my teeth. A bead of sweat defines my frustration of displacement. Fail at sitting back to react to your mutatious pact. That is a fact. When we depart... I am hopeful for a joyous heart. Day by day, your breakdown becoming less effective. I suggest you apply a new elective, selective in my gaze towards your maze. A Rubik's Cube may amuse a few for a lifetime. I must say, I'll have to resign from this design and apply to a new zoosomiotic. Study at length. It will just become putty, funny, how they may say. Wrapped around your finger, I would define a manipulation is of this kind. Back to the drawing board. I have extended my umbilical cord without a doctor's double-edged sword. A narrow view leaves some without a clue. I become bored at searching for fact in your fiction. May I ask, what is your depiction? <laughs> 